If you're an early stage Web3 founder, apply to our award-winning accelerator program, Basecamp at outlierventures.io slash Basecamp. We write your first $50,000 check and give you access to 200 mentors, including many of the leading Web3 founders, and a network of 1,000 of the world's leading investors and exchanges. We've helped over 30 startups from 15 countries from all around the world raise $130 million in growth funding and can help you fast track product market fit and where relevant, the launch of your token economy. Okay, so today I am really happy to welcome on the show co-founder of Bikonomy, Ahmed Al-Balaji. Um, I always trip up on his surname. I've probably just done it there. Um, but I've known Ahmed for some time. He went through, well, Bikonomy and he went through Basecamp 2 back in February 2020. Um, Bikonomy is a plug and play APIs for developers to simplify the transaction experience for users. Uh, it allows for things like gasless and cross-chain transfers and is really a middleware layer that allows uh, for these kind of relayer support chains for Ethereum, Polygon, Binance, XDAI, um, and their dApps. Um, welcome to the show, Ahmed. Hey, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me. So it's great to touch base with you. You know, watching your progress has been really impressive, like both your journey as a founder, um, but also the progress of Biconomy as a, as a, as a business, as a network. Um, and, you know, I think it's a really critical part of the Web3 stack because in effect, it's making the experience of using Web3 more frictionless, and then, of course, that the promise of that is it allows us to go mainstream as an industry. And I know you have been greeted with open arms by the Web3 um, protocol space and app developers um, because of that. So, you know, you make it easier for people to do, as I said, these kind of gasless transactions, um, which effectively means it's easier, faster, cheaper, and more efficient some kind of stats as to, to where you are right now, over 50 dApps, uh, just under 100, 200K unique wallets have done meta transactions, um, often without even knowing that they're using Biconomy. So you know, many people who'll be listening to this, you are already a user of, of Biconomy. Congratulations. Um, just under 9 million transactions. I think the, the gasless part alone is over $800 million in volume, um, 6 million in cross-chain from about 2,000 users. Also, if you kind of look at the range of use cases that are happening on those dApps, you know, maybe in the earlier stages, it was much more around DeFi, but increasingly it, it's skewing towards NFTs and gaming. So, um, and, and the mainstreaming of that space. So really looking forward to exploring you know where you're seeing success with Biconomy, but actually you're also a pretty good gauge on the industry as a whole right because you know where you're where you are seeing the volume where you're seeing adoption um you know is is going to be very informative to what's actually happening in, in the wider space but let's um let's get to know you a little bit more as i said you know i've had the privilege of working with you personally um and actually back when the accelerator was a little bit more intimate than it is now and uh so you know was was uh, 
had the privilege of being with you on that early part of your journey. But tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you've traveled a lot. You've had exposure to China, been based in the Middle East and Dubai, um, uh, as well as the UK. So, yeah, let let the people into your world. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot for that thorough um, introduction. So, yeah, so from my side, really, I've um, been in the blockchain space for, I think, it's been five years or so right now. Um, and I was, um, as you said, in China, in Shanghai, specifically learning Mandarin. And it was then when I sort of really delved into the crypto space. Um, there was sort of a, a few meetups happening and DevCon was happening too. So I sort of immersed myself. Um, and the more I did, the more I was just blown away by how, you know, amazing um this industry was and you know the the potential it had really um and i was very lucky to have sort of found it early um and i i started off you know doing blockchain research for a company based out in shanghai um and then i sort of moved to the middle east specifically dubai um for um to sort of help expand the business as they were really focused on sort of specific um blockchain solutions um and I was then sort of lucky to to join a um, well a traditional venture capital company called Jabbar Ventures. They are very successful and tourists for the companies they've built in the Middle East, um, particularly Jabbar, particularly Maktoub, which was sold to Yahoo, and Sug.com, which was sold to Amazon. Um, and so they're they were very bullish on crypto STOs. Um, tokens and they really wanted to see how they could get exposure in that space as well and um, i mean before this whole crypto thing i did have a bit of exposure to um traditional financial markets i worked for dow jones and citibank um and i do have sort of an economics background as well and it was only around sort of 2019 when me sachin and anika to my two co-founders we sort of came together to um, actually sort of run a staking operation, which was sort of really cool and it was really fun. And we sort of were all doing it part-time, but we, we found out that we worked really well together and that, you know, we, there was a lot of opportunity in the space and we were sort of building in the bear market. So we knew that everyone was very much um, sort of in tune and aligned with, you know, with where we see crypto going, especially Sachin, who's our CTO, he left, you know, his his really good you know um, paying job at a tech unicorn in India to to sort of go into crypto full time, um, and so that's where we sort of looked at where we wanted to to go with by economy and what we found were sort of the biggest problems, and that's really how we got started and, and went from there. And uh, right now, as a sort of a CEO, um, it's really interesting, especially when you know understanding like i would say like juggling things especially both both personally and professionally um it's it's just interesting to see that as well within the context of um you know how you could sort of you know run a successful crypto project because right now there is no blueprint right (laughs) so it's um it's really interesting to go through this this whole journey yeah and as i said you know i've been really impressed by your personal journey as a founder and yeah, I think you've got a great founding team there, as you said, um, like three very complementary uh, background skill sets. And you can see that in how you've executed as a team. I'm trying to think 
because we've been in each other's orbit for quite a while. I'm yeah. trying to think the first place I met you, was it London or Dubai? It was Dubai. I yeah. Believe. Yeah. That's what I thought. I remember um, reading a lot of Outlier Ventures um, reports. This was around 2017, 2018, I believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Back in the day. <laughs> back in the day. Um, well, I'm, I'm glad we got got to work together, you know. Um, and so, you know, here you guys are now. I would say really at the heart of the ecosystem, because as I said, I mean, you know, you're working with at least, you know, several protocols that I'm aware of, you know, with Ethereum, Polygon, Binance, XDAI, uh, there are others, right? Yeah. So at least for the gasless product, um, we support um, those four chains that you mentioned and we'll be, we are in the process of supporting others like um, Moonbeam and, uh, and Avalanche. Got you. So, so let's talk people through, let's kind of give them a one-on-one, 101, sorry, on what we mean by gasless and cross-chain transfers. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, really for, I mean, just to, you know, start off, whenever, you know, whenever, you know, we, we use these blockchain applications, we always need to, you know, pay gas fees, right? Um, so for every interaction on-chain, you need to have a bit of ETH um, if you're on Ethereum, a bit of Matic if you're on Polygon, or a bit of the native token of that chain, right? Before you could do any interaction, and it's really interesting because um, you know if we wanted to bring in the mainstream, it's it's a bit you know cumbersome and not really intuitive if an end user is using USDC and they need to have that bit of ETH or Matic to to send a transaction, right? Um, and if we sort of compare this with the sort of just the Web2 world, you know, if you're using Netflix, um, you, you know, they don't charge you their AWS fees for every time you press, you know, watch video, right? Um, so that, that that would be a bit bizarre and really annoying for, for the end user. And so this really opens up the question of how could you just, how, how could gas this concept evolve, right? Because it's a very important part of any blockchain infrastructure because it does prevent spam. Um, and it also provides an interesting dynamic in terms of how, you know, um, you know, just it, it provides a good metric for usage as well. Right. And so, you know, um, the, the, the way that we've been thinking about how gas can evolve, you know, we've got plenty of ideas, but one of which we, we sort of really focused on is, is the idea of where end users don't really need to pay for gas fees it could be subsidized by um, the developers. And um, it was really interesting because in, in this sense, um, this of course does require, this does require a few assumptions. And you know, for like what one of our assumptions is that in the long term for any blockchain to get mainstream adoption, gas needs to be low, right? Like if gas is not low, then not many people will be using these applications because they run on top of an expensive chain. And so this is why we were very focused on supporting protocols or layer twos like um, Matic, which is now Polygon or XDAI, because they were built on, on top of Ethereum as a layer two scaling solution. Um, and so by providing the infrastructure for developers to subsidize the gas fees on behalf of their end users was something that we really focused on. Um, and it allowed us to really test the product 
um, and to really bring in and work with developers early during the bear market. And what we've realized and what's really interesting is now we support, you know, dApps across NFT, gaming, DeFi, and more, is that as a dApp scales, right, um, and as they are essentially, you know, making, you know, more volume or there's more usage, which would, which is now, which we're seeing is driving more revenue for, for their products, they are more willing to pay the gas fees for their end users, right, especially on networks like Polygon and XI, where gas is, is fairly low. Um, and that's what we've been seeing, you know, with a lot of the dApps that we support, um, you know, they're showing traction, they're showing quite good adoption, but you know, the, the, the bill that they have to pick up is just sort of a, you think you could think of it as a customer acquisition cost or just a business expense, right. For the dApp to be as seamless and as frictionless as possible. Tell me, uh, maybe explain to the listeners the process of subsidizing. So, you know, I'm a. I'm a DAP developer. I'm an entrepreneur. Right? I'm creating a digital service product. What is the workflow of subsidizing those costs? And do I need to forward plan? So, you know, I'm building in some assumptions about my growth. How do I approach that from a financial planning perspective? Yeah, of course. Really good question. So, I mean, how we used to work actually just very quickly was we, we really wanted to go to market, you know, very quickly. And we just wanted to see how dApps would be integrating by economy, right? And it's a fairly simple integration process. The, um, the smart contract, when you support meta transactions, you then sign up to our dashboard and then basically enable the, the gasless or meta transactions um, that you want for that particular contract or method. And then when a, an end user then interacts with an application, the end user essentially, instead of them seeing that they would need to pay for gas, um, the MetaMask just pops up with sign a message, right? Or any wallet that the end user uses. What will come up is just for them a prompt to sign a message. And then what, what happens is in the back end, we basically have our relays that are already topped up with, you know, ETH or XDAI or Matic, depending on where the, the DAP is. And then they would basically take the signed message from the end user and the transaction parameters and they would submit the transaction on chain. And so essentially what Biconomy is doing, we are basically paying the gas fees up front for the DAP. And then the DAP would sort of then, at the end of the month, would basically give back um, whatever gas fees were incurred back to Biconomy. And presumably there are benefits to the, the Biconomy wholesaling those, right? Because if you're kind of, you're putting all of that volume, all that volume is coming through economy is there kind of economies of scale with that for you that you then pass on to the DAP developer because of the volume at the moment the so in terms of the the volume of transactions um, because we are mainly dealing with on-chain transactions and we are sending transactions one by one um, what we really optimize for is ensuring that we don't overspend on the gas right so we're always ensuring that we're paying the optimal gas fees there are definitely ways which we could see how we could batch transactions, but that's something that we are not really focused on right now because batching transactions would essentially happen on the layer two side or on a ZK rollup um, side or on just a general rollup, right? Um, and then you would sort of go into sort of that space. And, and that's something that can be done. 
Um, but it's something that we, we don't really have to necessarily do at, at this moment um, because what, what's really important for the developer and for the, their end user is the transaction just goes without having to, to fail, right? So even if you have to pay just a slightly higher gas fee at that moment of time for the transaction to go through, you know, both the DAP and the, their end user are, are, are happy, right? Um, and, and, and essentially the, the DAP also doesn't want to be customer support for, you know, failed blockchain transactions, right? If an end user mismanages their gas or, or something like that, right? Um, or if there's, you know, congestion in a block or if there's something wrong, you know, the, the, the DAP doesn't want to explain these technicalities or be sort of the, the blockchain um, customer service, right? It doesn't make sense. And so especially for applications that are more user facing and really want to, you know, um, interface with, with the end, everyday users, transaction management systems like, like ours really help with that. And right now we're actually just deploying what we, um, a, a new module called our gas management module. I mean, for, for those who are familiar with Twilio, it's, it's sort of fairly simple. You sort of top up into, you know, you basically top up your gas into smart contracts and then you'd be able to use a service from there so that we as by economy don't really have to have, don't have to, you know, front all the gas in the beginning. Um, so we, we're changing that model so that d developers could just really top up the gas that they want and then they would be able to keep topping up for, for the service to continue. And of course, we'd, we'd have, you know, backup you know, gas to ensure that the service doesn't run out, but it's, uh, we, we're seeing that there is good uptake from, from developers and they understand this, this model really well as well. So let's talk about how these are being used. As we said before, like the, the spectrum of dApps that are leveraging Biconomy is, is growing, it's broadening. So I think you said 50 dApps. Um, I know that that includes like more recently, uh, games like Zedron, or you call it a game, I guess it's kind of sports betting in, in a way, but you've also got Decentral games, you've got Curve Finance. Talk, talk us through some of those gaps and you know how they're benefiting. I don't know if you know that in kind of financial or economic terms, or is it, it's whether, whether you measure customer success in a different way. Maybe it's drop-off rates, conversion rates, stickiness. Yeah, no, no, really, really good question. So, I mean, you know, like you mentioned, right, Zedron is, you know, um, a really interesting DAP, which has, you know, a huge amount of um, of adoption recently. Um, and and what's great about Zedron is because of the fact that they were sort of early to, to market and that they already sort of built systems to to enable that, you know, easy UX so that when there are more end users coming on board, it just allows them to stick, right? And so we saw, you know, a 3x transaction surge, right? For example, with Zedron recently, you know, during this whole NFT bull run. Um, and that, you know, in terms of pulling out the data to see how much exactly, you know, the conversion was because of by economies gases transactions. That's something that we're still trying to ramp up to see those specific data points. But you know, right now, like for for example, Zedron, they fully in in tune and in line with like if they didn't have gasless, then they wouldn't have grown as much. Like that's something that they've told us. 
Um, we've worked with um, uh, other protocols like, you know, Idle Finance, where they've even, um, when they integrated Gasless, um, they saw, you know, more deposits. They saw an increase of 40% deposits into their protocol. And uh, now we're sort of, like you said, powering um, uh, Decentral Games, um, Decentraland as well, um, UNXD as well. So even UNXD, during their sales, they've been um, using Biconomy. And it's it's really interesting because we, we're even seeing like um, like new types of applications like ETH sign. So like you know the you know how we have you know DocuSign and HelloSign. We're seeing sort of more Web three versions of that. Um, and again, the same sort of logic applies where um, where we actually saw a significant uptick. Where they even showed us themselves, they they showed sort of figures between before by economy and after by economy. And they saw a bigger uptick because, you know, end users just didn't need gas to to, to pay for a signature, right? You know, we, we feel as more and more, you know, projects are coming online and as more end users, you know, you know, actually use applications without them knowing there's an underlying blockchain underneath it, we're going to see more and more of these types of transactions, you know, being a part of the transaction stack just because you don't need them to have gas, right? Essentially. Um, yeah. It's not like in DeFi where there are these gas wars, you have MEV, you know, these are very different types of transaction profiles or different types of user profiles, right? Um, like these are, like e even when you compare the transaction numbers or transaction volumes between NFTs gaming versus DeFi, like it's, it's a, uh, it's it's a huge huge difference because DeFi is like low transaction count but high you know high volume in terms of dollars transferred or processed whereas with the nfts it's a bit and gaming is different you just have high number of transactions um but in terms of the the volume process it's lower um of course nft marketplaces are a bit different um but uh that that's something that that we're seeing as well um uh, yeah, so so I know I kind of went off on a tangent, but it's sort of sort of complementary to. No, no, no. I mean, I I think you know clearly the range of application increases um, the more that these frictions are removed. So, you know, if, if we're looking at that, we're what we've been talking about so far has primarily been in the context of a single protocol, DApps on a single protocol. Um, but of course, I know, you know, and that has its own complexity. But once you start having kind of multi-chain or cross-chain transfers or applications that work across multiple protocols, and I think everybody accepts now that we're living in a, you know, a, a multi-protocol universe, um, not a surprise to many of us, but, you know, nevertheless, I think it's becoming more commonly accepted. Um, cross-chain transfers are only going to increase and I know you have something called Hyphen, which specifically looks to address that order of magnitude of complexity with cross-chain stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what was I mean, the reason why we built Hyphen is because we listened to a lot of our, you know, a lot of the DApps that have been working with us saying that, hey, we're we're on Polygon, we're on XI, but our end users are finding it tough to easily transfer assets between ETH and Polygon. They'd have to go through the 
POS bridge and you know that takes time and it's very expensive and so for us because we we've always since day one been operating in a way in the field of how can we make web3 as frictionless as possible you know this really excited us it really um allowed us to think you know broadly about how we could really build a complementary solution whereby you know if an, if you're if you're an end user you could move your assets from one chain to another you pay the gas fees in the token you're transferring and then when you're on a dap you know everything is gasless right so this end to end transaction flow is 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 really what we're sort of focused on and excited about and hyphen is is you know really a part of that of that vision whereby you know we we sort of asking ourselves how can we really build the you know the fastest the cheapest and of course in the long run the most secure way of of um of moving assets between chains because you know um we are like you said going into the small chain future um and the small chain world whereby you know things are becoming really hard to to do and so hyphen right now supports ethereum and polygon um our transaction speeds probably take 6 seconds that that's the fastest we've done when it if you were to go from ethereum to polygon um or polygon back to ethereum and we support three assets um um usdc usdt and eth and i think so far th- today we've just crossed 6 million dollars worth of transfer volume which is really cool um and we're we're sort of like we we are getting like more and more requests to sort of include new chains and support new assets um but again this is more part of our um of our vision of how we could just simplify this transactional layer of, of, of blockchains yeah and look you know what you're doing has really caught the attention of the industry so you know your investors aside from outlier include binance coinbase ventures coin fund eden block true ventures bank capital nfx you know some pretty significant players in the space um and especially if you look at binance and coinbase ventures you know people that understand uh crypto at scale you know high volume based businesses so i think that's really good evidence that people believe in you as a team and, and the approach that you're taking. So I know like you spent the last several months also thinking through how you can build out that network, how you can optimize for it, and um, how multiple stakeholders, be the operators, liquidity providers, and stakers could, could help kind of optimize it and, and help it scale. Could you maybe give us some of the thinking around you know, th- those future plans? Absolutely. So, you know, as we've been, um, you know, growing and we're seeing like just, you know, really interesting um, ways of, of building out these use cases. And and, and right now, uh, the, the way we sort of operate is a sort of, you know, we're, we're in this sort of semi, you know, centralized sort of hybrid state. Um, and really for us, it's it's all about, you know, in the, in, in the long run, how can we get to a, a stage whereby dApps don't really have to, you know, rely on a centralized third party for 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 certain things. Um, and so, so for us, you know, you know, we we've been thinking quite a bit about how you know we could progressively decentralize, and and that's um, been a very important topic um, within the team. Yeah, and and that's something that we're we're actively um, we've already started and we're we're pursuing already, um, and and. Uh, it, 
sort of what I would say sort of in the next, you know, a couple months to even a year, we are working actively on what we call a multi-chain relayer protocol. And this sort of relayer protocol essentially is 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 this protocol that comprises of these transactional use cases that we just talked about, right? The the gases transactions, the cross-chain transfers, and um, even going to the future, allowing for um, cross-chain communication. Cross-chain communication is, I think, something that is underrated um, and not being talked about enough. Uh, we are seeing that with Polkadot and Cosmos, but they do it within their own ecosystems. Um, but cross-chain communication in the sense of having two non-compatible chains, you know, how, how could sort of one speed to the other or how could, you know, smart, how could you enable cross-chain contract calls, you know, at scale for a variety of use cases. And so, you know, we essentially are working, you know, to, to see how, you know, dApps will evolve in, in the future and how, when they and when they do go multi-chain how will the end user experience look like what would the frictions look like and how can we solve for those um, moving forward and so this multi-chain relay protocol is is really in essence a way for us to not only decentralize ourselves but include but also serve for a wide variety of transactional use cases that would enable a more frictionless experience Great. I'm really excited to see how that plays out um, and hopefully, you know, in, inform that process. Um, so to kind of close off, how, I and mean, firstly, again, you know, like congratulations to you and the team on the progress. It's been really fascinating watching how you've evolved. Um, what's, what's next for you guys? How can people get involved? Absolutely. So for those who want to be involved, um, we do have a very active community. We engage with you know different types of people at, at different levels whether you know someone comes on board uh, comes to our discord we have like this ambassador program that people could be a part of um we love when people engage with us through twitter threads as well um or you know ask us you know hard questions about what we're doing and what we're building like we love people challenge our assumptions and yeah i mean there there are many ways that um uh, anyone could sort of really um, get involved with at, at Bioeconomy. So we love to hear from you. Ahmed, it's been great to catch up with you. Um, I think we've got dinner booked soon. So looking forward to yeah. that um, in London. So see you then. Awesome. Looking forward to it. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and share your feedback to help us reach as many people as possible with the important mission of Web3.